We're in Matthew chapter 1. Let's start reading. Um, let's read starting in verse 16 just to kind of get the, the flow of, of this, that Matthew had begun with this genealogy of, of Jesus and it, the, the conclusion of the genealogy uh, starts there in verse 16 where he says, And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken to the prophet. Behold, the virgins shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from, from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to the son, and he called his name Jesus. We have different accounts of the, of, of the nativity, of the, of the birth, the, the coming of Jesus. Actually, if you, if, you, if you consider there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, half of them don't mention the birth of Jesus. Mark and, 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 and John uh, leave, it, leave it out entirely, certainly under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But Matthew has, has begun to, to prove that Jesus of Nazareth is the Christ to his original Jewish uh, readers of, of, his, uh, of his gospel. He, he begins by telling the, the account from Joseph's perspective, from, from Joseph's point of view. He gave a genealogy to show that Jesus is descended from Abraham, the father of all Jewish people. So as Messiah was supposed to be a Jew, one descended from Abraham, Jesus fit that bill. And then also that Jesus descended from, from David, the, the greatest king in, in Israel's history, the one whom God had said, you will never lack a son being on the, on the throne. And that, that Jesus descended from both of them. And so it would almost seem natural that he would just focus on, uh, on, on Joseph and, and, and the story of Joseph. I think getting a, a, a clearer understanding of, of what's happening to Joseph is to, is to remember what happened by Luke's account to Mary. You know, which came first? Who, who found out about this pregnancy First, Joseph or Mary, 
And it's not a chicken and the egg, you know, statement or question, you know. But that is, and when, when we put them together, we kind of get a, a clearer understanding. But I think it also impacts just what Joseph faced. You know, here Matthew says that, that here is how uh, the, the birth of Jesus, the Christ, the anointed one, took place. That Mary was betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child. Okay, that's, that's pretty, um, I sort of say clean. Um, it's pretty clean. It, it's not like, it means that all of a sudden this, this woman is pregnant. She's, she's betrothed to Joseph, but, but they have not taken that final step toward an official marriage. What was that? What was betrothal? I mean, we don't practice that in, in our society. I mean, if we do, it's pretty unusual. There, there could be some, you know, different parts of our culture that, that do. But I, I think in the, in the strictest sense, we don't, we don't practice that. But betrothal was, was it's, it's similar to engagement, but, it, but it's also similar to marriage. Put them together. They, these two people, probably by design from their fathers, have, have been uh, betrothed to one another or chosen to, to, be, uh, to, be, to become married. It's, it's kind of a, a combining then of, of these two families. The fathers would get together and they would discuss the details. What is the bridegroom going to give the father of the bride to marry his, his daughter. And they, and they would draw up a, a contract. And then they would actually have a ceremony where they would read the, 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 the contract and vows would be made. But at the end, and, so, and then at the end of that ceremony, the, the, I'm going to call them initially boy and girl, would, would, would be married. They would be legally married, except they would still not consummate that marriage or, or live with, with one another for, in most cases, about a year. So it was this long engagement period, but where they were, they were married. They were considered husband and wife. And the reason I say boy and girl was that the, the age, according to rabbinic law, the age of consent for girls was... Tell me what you know. I was going to say, give me a guess, but it may not be a guess. You may actually know this. What was the age of consent in the first century Jewish culture for girls? Twelve. And, and for boys, it was 13. Now, now most of the time, the, the girl may be that, that young, 12, 13, 14, that Mary would, would have been either preteen or just barely a teenager. Joseph, more than likely, was a few years older. And their families have gotten together and they've, they've, they've chosen these two to be uh, husband and wife. And, and so they are, they're preparing. They've made that contract. They've had that ceremony, exchanged those vows, and, and, and now the waiting period. And it could have been a month or a year or anywhere in between. Why, why would they wait? Well, 
it, for, for Jewish culture, they didn't expect this young girl, a virgin, to just leave her father's home one day and then go and live with this stranger. That even though she may have known the, the, the young man from, from their town or their city, but they didn't expect that. So they gave them time to get to know one another. And, and, and they would be legally husband and wife, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't live together. Another thing that it allowed them to do was for the groom then to build the house, which in most cases, especially among the, the poorer people of society, in most cases it, it would be an add-on, a, a, a room on his parents' house. So it gave him time to do that. And then also it gave the, the bride, the girl, time to, to go through the purification process that a bride would have to go through before she could be with her husband. So, so during that time, you know, they've got a whole year. And, and, and both of them are probably excited I mean, I, could, I don't know if you remember when, when you got married, if you, you know, you're, you're kind of excited. There's times when it's the opposite of excitement. It's just like, I want this to be over with. But that, that they're excited, they're ready. You know, Joseph, hurry up. I don't care about supply chain issues. I want this room finished so we can move, you know, so we can move in and, and, and we can start our lives together. Dur during that process, says. Mary is found to be with child. All of a sudden, she's, she comes up pregnant. Now, okay. You ever wonder why? Why couldn't God wait, you know, a few weeks for her to be impregnated by the Holy Spirit? I mean, there's some reason that he did that God didn't do that. He could have waited till after they were married. Well, okay, so why did he, did God choose to do that or not to do that? Right. So, so we, we think of it and many times call it the virgin birth. But what is it really? It's the virgin conception. It's the immaculate conception that, that she's, she conceives of the Holy Spirit. So I think the reason, and this is like who has known the mind of God, but I, but I think the reason is, is so that there's no doubt, you know, that Joseph is not the father, at least to the, uh, to, to, you know, to those who believe. And, and so God chose to... Mary comes up pregnant before. Well, what has transpired? Remember, the angel Gabriel had, had come to Mary uh, in, in Luke chapter 1. It says, after the sixth month. So the sixth month refers to, to Mary's cousin Elizabeth, who is older and barren and childless, becoming pregnant, late in life with Jesus' cousin, John the Baptizer or John the Baptist. But he wasn't like a Baptist like we are, but he's, he's the one who comes and, and baptizes. When Mary, the, the angel Gabriel appears to her and says, you know, greetings, O favored one of God. And Mary looks like, why, why are you calling me that? What, what, 
I, I don't understand this. And, and the angel then, Gabriel tells her, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over all the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom there will be no end. So, so Gabriel tells Mary that, that Jesus, first off, that she's going to call his name Jesus. What does Jesus mean? The Lord saves, Yahweh saves. So it was a, it was a common name. I mean, it's who they wanted to name their son Yahweh saves, the Lord saves. It was, it was sort of a, a, a hope that, that God would save Israel. In this case, it is someone who literally in all ways fulfills what the name means. Yahweh saves, that, that, that God will save Israel and that he's going to, God is going to give him the throne of his father David that there in, in Luke's account. So, so Mary finds out about Elizabeth being pregnant. She also finds out that she is going to conceive. We don't know how, how long after Gabriel announces this that Mary con conceives, but she goes to visit Elizabeth in the hill country of, of, of Judea that, that Mary was living in Nazareth up in Galilee. She goes down to the, to the hill country of Judea somewhere in the vicinity of, of Jerusalem to visit Elizabeth. You remember the, the, the account as Luke said that when Mary went in and, and, and shouted her greeting or said her greeting that Elizabeth said, my baby jumped in my wound because of who you are carrying. You know, that, and, and, and so then Mary goes back to Jerusalem or four months later, and she is obviously pregnant. So there's kind of two things going on. One, she's been away from her betrothed, her legal husband, though they have not consummated their marriage. And, and, and two, she's also from Nazareth. And Nazareth, and Joseph as well, was not a great reputation city. Remember when, when, when Jesus called Nathanael and he said, can anything good come from Nazareth? That, that wasn't just a slam on, I'm from Capernaum and he's from Nazareth. And so, you know, kind of like Dallas and Fort Worth might, might bicker. I mean, this was like Nazareth had a bad reputation. There's a Roman garrison there of soldiers and just think of, of just the connotation of what soldiers do, these Gentile soldiers, and, and, and that, that, that the Nazarenes would uh, many times yield to the temptations associated with that, both the men and, and the women. And, and so it had a, a bad reputation, and Joseph's thinking, I thought I knew her. My, my, my dad arranged this marriage, and we've known the family. And, and now he knows that he has not slept with Mary, and, and so he is not the father, but she is clearly with child. She's clearly pregnant. And so what, what can he do? So, that, so they're betrothed. It says that Joseph is a just man. A, a, a righteous man. You, you could translate it a law-abiding man. 
but he's unwilling to put her to shame and resolve to divorce her quietly. So Joseph's law-abiding. What did the law require for someone who committed adultery? The Mosaic law. Stoning. So, so Joseph, he's law-abiding. He thinks that, that, you know, there's really one recourse. Now, in the first century, the Jews did not have the power and authority to invoke the death penalty, which is going to be, we're going to see that at the end of the book, how, the, how they come about executing Jesus. But the Jews could not, and, and they took matters into their own hands oftentimes. You know, we see even in Acts when they stoned Stephen, just the emotions, that that was an illegal act as well. But he, he really can't, and, and, and to, to stone her would just bring public shame on everybody. And, and to some degree, even, even himself. So he's, he's going to divorce her quietly. That the, the betrothal was that much of a legal contract, you know, that binding, that, if, that if, 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 if you wanted to get out of it, you had to divorce. And this, is only, this only went one way. Sorry, ladies. It only went one way, that the men could divorce the women. The, the women, they, they couldn't do anything about it, you know whether it's something as simple as him being ugly or if him being, you know, mean and, and nasty, they couldn't get out of it. Their daddy had basically already sold them to be married to this Yahoo. But Joseph has, has options. He can, he, can, uh, he, he, can, he can have her maybe have her stoned or he can just put her away quietly, take two witnesses, give her this contract of, of divorce, and then... He'll be free to, to move on. Look what happens in, in verse 20. But I usually find myself either highlighting or circling or whatever when it says but because something's big fixing to happen. It's going gonna, it's gonna to totally change. As he considered these things, I think some translations say as he pondered these things, thought about these things. You know, put, put all three of those words together. You, 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 you ponder considerably by thinking. I mean, you're, he's giving this a lot of, of thought and, and, and maybe wringing his hands over it. What do I do? Everything's supposed to be, be, be good and right. And, I, and, I've, and I've practically finished this room and now I'm going to have to pay tax on this room and I don't have a wife and just, you know, just all of the things. This is not working out. He, he's pondering all of these things. Behold. That's another good word to, to circle and it, it's an emphasis word. Some, some translate it look. And, and, and when you see it, you need to think most of the time up the volume when, when, you're, when you're saying it. I mean, I, I don't want to yell, but it's like, behold, you know, just like it's going to wake everybody up. Look, all of a sudden, this is happening. It happens right at the time Joseph needs it. Look, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph's been thinking about this for, you know, we don't know, weeks, months. It, it can't be years, you know, because it, it doesn't take that long to have a baby. But it's, he's thought about this a long time. He doesn't know, okay, I've got to put her away 
graciously and mercifully. And an angel of the Lord appears to him. Could not the angel of the Lord appear to Joseph before Mary got pregnant, before she conceived? I mean, the, Gabriel came to her before she conceived because he said, you will conceive. I mean, just think about that. Sometimes we go through the ringer and then God says, this is what you're to know about this situation. You know, that, that it shows just how awesome God is. You know, you're going to, if he told him beforehand, I think Joseph still would have believed. But, but here it's kind of like God, I don't, it's saying, Joseph, you're, you're trusting me. Con continue to trust me. And, and see, what, what you see is not, on the surface is not at all what is really going on. He says that, that the angel of the Lord appeared to him, and he calls him Joseph, son of David. Now, Joseph is a descendant of David, but how many years? A thousand years. How many branches are in that tree? Does he even think about it? Now, I think he, he well knew that he was descended from David because genealogy for, for, the, for the Jews, especially in the first century, was, was of utmost importance. You know, when they had gone back from Babylon, remember that, that they had to prove who they had descended from, particularly the priests, which is not the line of, of David, but that they had to prove who they descended from. But is it, is he, does he think that way every day? And when he gets up and he's going to the carpenter shop or wherever, you know, it's like, oh, it's a great day. I am so happy I'm a son of David. Probably not. Israel hasn't had a king for almost 600 years. You know, Babylon took the last king into captivity. And they haven't had a king on the throne. They've been under other foreign occupiers or governments for, for close to 600 years. But he says, Joseph, son of David, one who's descended from the great king, uh, the greatest king of Israel, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. This is a major dream, for one thing, that, 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 that Joseph, he was pondering these things, considering, what, what am I going to do? And now God sends an angel to tell him, do not fear to take Mary as your wife because that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, what would be, what would make Joseph fearful of taking Mary for his wife? That's a long question. Why would he fear to take Mary for his wife? She's pregnant, and he knows he's not the father. Other people have, have seen her. He's not the only one who, who knew, even with, you know, cloaks and togas and what they wore. You know, it's like the old-style maternity clothes. You know, they would, you could still see a, a woman's belly. So it's either A, Joseph and Mary... They, they, they violated the standards. They, they have not had that consummation um, 
ceremony, after the betrothal period, what, what they would do is they would send uh, the, the bride part or the groom's party would, would go to the houses of the bride and the groom and, and they would pick them up and they would carry them on their shoulders, both of them, to this, this final place there where they, they would do the final ceremony and fi final vows. And, and, and then they would celebrate those final nuptials uh, for, for a week, at, at which time the bride and groom would then literally move into to, to the new house together and, and, and their marriage would be, would be consummated. So if they, they know that hasn't happened, Nazareth is a town of about 200. And, and he said, oh, yeah, we did it, but just nobody knew. We, we, we know. We, we, we ran away and saw the justice of the peace, and you couldn't do that. So, so if he takes her as his wife, then he's as much admitting that they are sinners. They, they have sinned. They have violated the Mosaic law, the rabbinic customs and, 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 and rabbinic laws. So there would be just that for his reputation and her reputation. And then he knows, well, I'm not the father, so uh, I don't, I don't want to be the stepdaddy of some, you know, Roman soldier's child or, or somebody from, you know, from down in, in Judea. So, so there were several reasons that Joseph would be afraid, but the angel says, don't be afraid because the child she has conceived is from the Holy Spirit. And then he, then he said, the angel continues and said, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Now what was really, truly, maybe, the first job God ever gave mankind, or Adam? That was totally out of the blue, wasn't it? You did not expect a bunch of questions from Genesis. Remember, in the, in the garden, God says, here's the animals, I'm going to bring them by you, and you're going to name them. Ever since then, man, man has been naming the animals and the children and their children. But God says, you don't get to name him. Forget about buying all those books that say, you know, here's all the baby names. I, I, I'm telling you, you're going to name this child, Jesus. And there is major significance to the name. It means Yahweh saves. She will bear a son. You will call him Jesus. Why? He, he even explains to him why. He will save his people from their sins. Now, the Jews are expecting a Messiah, right? The anointed one, a son of David to sit on the throne to deliver them from what? from Rome, from the tyranny, from the oppression that they're facing by these, these foreign occupiers and, and, and foreign controlling superpower. But the angel says, he's not going to save you from Rome. What's he going to save you from? Their sins. So make your own conclusion. What is the bigger need for salvation, from Rome or from sin? I mean, we know it's sin. And, and, and the angel tells, tells Joseph, this is what's going to happen. You're going to name, she's going to have a son, you son of David. She, you're going to call his name Jesus. He's going to save his people from their sin. And then he says, this took place. Matthew is, Matthew is interpreting and, and telling his readers, including us, this took place so that what the Lord spoke 
through the prophets. You know, when the prophet came and, and, and spoke, what did they say many times? I don't want to say every time, but many times. What, what did the prophet say? How did he, how did he um, preface his message? Thus saith the Lord. That the prophet came and said, Thus saith the Lord. And Matthew's saying, This is what God spoke through the prophet. And this is from, from Isaiah chapter 7. He says, Behold, there's that word again, Behold. It's like, Boom. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. This happened so that what Isaiah had spoken 800 years before would be fulfilled. You know, we get sort of uptight and antsy when the microwave takes an extra minute to heat something up. They've been waiting 800 years for this prophecy to, to come about. You know, that, that, that God in the fullness of time, as Paul said in Galatians 4, sent forth His Son to be born uh, of a virgin. He says, this, is, this all happened, and, and this is Matthew telling his readers, there are, let me see, I wrote this down this time, there are 54 direct citations of Old Testament prophecy in, in, in the book of Matthew. 54. There are a total of about 129 direct and indirect, maybe more, more called allusions to prophecies and, and things foretold in the Old Testament. Now remember, Matthew's writing to uh, a first audience, was a, a primarily a Jewish audience, and he's, he's convincing them that Jesus of Nazareth is the Christ, the Messiah, the one that God promised. And so he, 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 he uses Old Testament prophecy to, to, to convince them of that. And then verse 24, when, Matthew, when Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took Mary, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus, that he, in obedience to what the angel had told him, Matthew named him Jesus. Okay, is it just a Christmas story? Is there, what does it teach us about God? What does it teach us about Christ? You know, what can we glean from it to um, make us better followers of, of Christ? Y'all are so polite, you, you just, you're just going to give me first crack at it. Okay, a couple of things. It says that, that, and these are in no particular order, other than the order that I wrote them down. Um, notice Joseph was contemplating, he was thinking these things, considering them, pondering them. And God sends an angel. What's the implication of that? He knows our thoughts. I mean, that's how, how mighty, you know, God's omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, 
all-knowing. He knows even our thoughts. It, it, it's scary, but it's, it's also like, so, and, and we're going to see this in the teachings of, of Jesus, especially as we get into the Sermon on the Mount, but so if you're of the mindset that, well, unless I physically do it, I don't have to repent, uh-uh. If you think it, you need to repent also, you know, what, whatever it may be, you know, that you know what kind of evil thoughts you have. I don't, I'm not going to tell you what evil thoughts have been running through your mind. I'm, I'm certainly not going to tell you what, which ones have been running through my mind. But, you know, if you're, whether you're driving or, you, you know. So God knows our, our thoughts, Why did Jesus come? Matthew spells it out right there. To save them, Israel, his people, which would include us, to save his people from their sin. Okay, what's the implication of that? Well, okay, there's a bunch of them that we're going to sin but that we cannot save ourselves from our sin. Nor who else could. If, if Jesus wa was the natural son of Joseph and Mary, a descendant of, of, of Joseph, he couldn't have done it. Flesh and blood cannot save us from our sin. And I think you can extend it out you know, we don't have kings and queens, at least in our country today. So let's extend it out to uh, Democrats and Republicans. Politicians cannot save us from our sins. Only God can save us from our sins. And that's why he sent, who did he send? Jesus, who's also called what? Emmanuel, the Son of God, Emmanuel, which means God with us. No. That's that's a whole different avenue that's way over my head. I mean, do you know? See, they're not even listening to me now because now <laughs> there's this big. I should. Yeah. And their, from first-hand knowledge, uh, if, the, if the mother is Jewish, then her children are Jewish, regardless of what the father is. And, we, and we've already... Go ahead. What? Yeah, let's... <laughs> But, but, it, but that started making me think, okay, look, remember in the, in the genealogy, the first 17 verses, we had Canaanites, uh, Hittite, 
women, sinners, bad sinners, evil kings, all in this that, that, that Matthew is saying, and, and, and we're going to get into in a, maybe chapter 3, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, God is established in His kingdom, that it's for all people, male, female, Gentile, Jew, black, white, red and yellow, black and white, for, for, for all people. And, and so he's coming, he came to save his people from their sin. What, okay, let's go back again, circle back around to the, that Emmanuel. And it said, it means God with us. There's got to be a really good question in, in there. Was, did it only mean that of Jesus in the first century when he was with the people, when he walked on the earth? Did it only mean that God was with us while the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, was incarnate walking on the earth? Did it only mean that God, that he, God was with us then? No. Okay. Explain that. Or what's the, what's the emphasis, what's, what was the word I was using before? What's the significance of that? First off, remember, and maybe we don't think of this all the time, God knows our thoughts, but you're to call his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us, and that nothing has changed from the moment that Jesus was born until now that God is still with us. What was the last thing Jesus said before the, the ascension? I do the King James. I, I don't know why, but lo, I am with you always. He's still with us. Now, we, we, I think we know that maybe headwise, but do we really think about that? That, that Christ is with us. He leaves us the Holy Spirit. We have that indwelling Holy Spirit. So, so God is with us all the time. That's, that's one of those things you, you kind of have to maybe do like Joseph was doing and ponder that and consider that and think about that. God is with me all the time. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what I'm going, what I'm going through. That's proper English, right? What I am going through, you know, at the time. He, he let Joseph, you know, he could have told Joseph beforehand that your betrothed is going to conceive by the Holy Spirit, but he, he waited just in, in, in God's own wisdom. He waited and told him after and so he knows what we're going through. And sometimes it's like that. It's, it's old, but it's, it's so true. That footprints poem of, you know, God, there's two sets of footprints, but, you know, right here, there's only one set. Why did you leave me? And he said, that's not when I left you. That's when I was carrying you. That, that, that God, that Christ is with us. We have that indwelling 
Holy Spirit. And I, and I think finally, when, when you just think about the, the name Jesus, it means the Lord saves, Yahweh saves. That means we can't save ourselves. We, we can't be good enough. We, we can't make a, a, enough uh, works to save ourselves, but that God initiates our salvation, brings it about, and then he sustains it and keeps it for, forever. You kind of, in, in, in this section, remember there, there are no uh, verses or uh, chapters in the original writing. And, and so before we get into uh, John the Baptist coming in, in, in what we call chapter 3, that, that chapter 2, you've got Joseph, the wise men, and Herod. And, and so in this little bitty uh, nutshell part, of the beginning of, of, of Matthew's account, you have three responses to the coming of, of Jesus. We've got Joseph. Next week, we're going to look at two of them, the wise men, the magi, and, and Herod's response. And really, again, Joseph and Mary's re response. And, and I think that we, we you know, one, um, maybe it's, Maybe it's too much allegory, but one thing is that we, people today still respond in the same ways that the Magi or Herod the Great responded. They either believe it and receive him or they reject him. So if you get a chance, read chapter 2 next week. And then you can help me as we, you know, pull out. But the, the, the greatest thing that we that we learn from this is that God redeems his people. God redeems his, his children. We can't do it ourselves. Any, anything else you want to point out? Because I know there's a bunch that I missed. Okay, that was count of three. Real quick, let's pray and then we'll be dismissed. Our Father, we indeed are grateful and thankful that you sent your Son to pay the ransom for our sin and that even today the, the, the name Emmanuel is, is still true, that you are with us, that we have your abiding, indwelling Holy Spirit in our lives. And God, may we live as people who, who truly serve only one King, that being King Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen.